Neil, thank you so much. That was a masterful introduction, laying out the stage, exciting us as to what is coming in this year of action, motivating us all, and inspiring us to also act in our ways, in our communities, and so forth. Thank you very much for that introduction. And hopefully we can welcome you back in a year to give us a picture of the, how the year of action went. So an open invitation. Now let me turn to our next set of the program. We have a set of six rapid fire presentations. And rather than me introducing them one by one by one, I would like to have them introduce themselves as they come up to speak. And we will have a compelling set of six presentations that seamlessly flow into each other. And as Neil said, give us a flavor of more, better, and new. So with that, I'd like to call on our first rapid fire presenter. And that is Keith Wiebe. Uh, my name is Keith Weepy from here at IFPRI, and uh, I'm pleased to talk to you a little bit today about the importance of doing more R&D, um, there we go, to increase agricultural productivity. Uh, Neil has laid out a daunting set of challenges posed by climate change. The Global Commission uh, highlights the importance of finding ways to improve adaptation. So what we'd like to do next is highlight a few ways that we think can offer solutions to help address those challenges. And I'll start out uh, here in the area of agricultural productivity. <clears throat> First, agricultural research and development has been a critical source of agricultural growth in the past. This is a figure uh, from work by Keith Fugley and colleagues. It just came out this week in a report released by the World Bank, and it shows some really interesting trends. First, agricultural output has grown by between 2 to 3 percent per year over the past uh, half century. But the pattern and the sources of that agricultural growth have changed dramatically over that period of time. In the 1960s, on the left-hand bar here, you see that most growth in agricultural output came from increases in the use of inputs. So more land, more labor, more irrigation water, more fertilizer. These are represented by the red and yellow portions of the bar. Just a small share, the green part at the top of the bar, came from what we call total factor productivity. And that's basically increases in how efficiently we use those inputs. That pattern has pretty much reversed over the past half century. So today, most growth in agricultural output comes from increases in efficiency. And that depends critically on innovation motivated and driven by increases in investment in agricultural research and development. This pattern holds true for most regions of the world. There are lags in sub-Saharan Africa reflecting the lower levels historically of investment in R&D in that particular region. R&D will also be critical to addressing challenges in the future. So with growing population, rising incomes, as Neil indicated, demand for basic food staples is projected to increase by about 50 percent over the next half century. And demand for other products, fruits and vegetables, animal source foods, is projected to grow even more rapidly. Even so, increasing production is not the biggest challenge. Sustainable development goals indicate that we have lots of other challenges ahead of us. And those call on us to eliminate poverty and hunger, to improve nutrition and health, to improve equity, uh, to reduce our footprint on land and water resources, among other things. All of this while contending with rising temperatures, more variable rainfall patterns, and changing patterns of incidence of pests and diseases as well. So the challenges are indeed daunting. If we want to meet those challenges by 2030 and sustain them beyond then, we have to invest more beginning today. Whether we're talking about uh, protecting or sharing genetic diversity in beans in Rwanda, 
or developing new salt-tolerant rice varieties in Vietnam, or disseminating new drought-tolerant maize varieties in partnership with the private sector in Tanzania, or meeting the needs of consumers in Guatemala. Innovation takes time, often 10 to 15 years or more, so that impacts that we want to see in the future are driven by the choices that we make today. Meanwhile, the challenges themselves are changing, so the environment and the market conditions that these producers and consumers will face are changing as well. So that increase in R&D needs to be sustained over time. Finally, analysis here at IFPRI, along with many colleagues, shows that R&D can indeed help shape the future that we want. FAO estimates uh, that today over 200 million people are undernourished in sub-Saharan Africa, and as Neil indicated, those numbers have been rising in recent years. How those numbers change in the future will depend on the choices that we make today. The figures, or the right-hand bars in this figure, show alternative futures that could emerge from different choices that we make. The first one, in a world without climate change, we've projected that the number of people at risk of hunger in sub-Saharan Africa could fall by 50 million people by mid-century. Unfortunately, that option is no longer on the menu. We do face climate change. Climate change already set in motion will drive processes that will essentially reverse most of that progress by mid-century. Fortunately, that's not the end of the story. There are things that we can do better. One of those, critically, is increasing investment in agricultural R&D. And we've shown here that depending on the levels of investment in R&D, we can partially offset or even completely offset the adverse impacts of climate change on hunger in sub-Saharan Africa and other regions of the world. So in sum, investing more in R&D can make a big difference. We need to start today. Thanks very much.